You're listening to a podcast from York City Church. If you like what you hear and you'd like to find out more, please visit our website at www.yorkcitychurch.org.uk. Thank you so much, Alan. Really appreciate that. It's so good to be here. We love coming to this setting. Uh, love m- many of you. We're really good friends of. Known you for many years. Uh, some of you we're getting to know. Please do come and say hi to us afterwards. We've just come back from Amman, as uh, Alan said. So we have a church in Muscat, a church in four different congregations, four different language groups, and uh, it's just very exciting to see what God's doing in the nations. I'll tell you one little story of a guy that I met, a young guy uh, who was a quite a high caste in his nation. He was a Brahmin, so he was a pretty high caste in the Indian nation. And he was worshipping at his temple. He was telling me this. We had a meal with him. He was worshipping at his temple and worshipping his god Shiva. And uh, he, he was quite a passionate. He, he, his parents dedicated him as a baby. And he, how do I say this without being rude? He's a he, he's kind of built like me, he's a bit chunky, and he said, I was pretty chunky as a baby, you know, I was a big baby, and the thing is in their religion that you dedicate the baby, you have to give the amount of gold that the baby weighs to the god, uh, to, to the, sort of the priest, I mean the priests do pretty well out of this, it's like fatten the babies up, we want fat babies, and, uh, but anyway, he, so he was dedicated, he was a high caste, he was going to be one of the priests, he was dedicated, he was worshipping his, his gods, and he said he was very passionate about it, he, you know, he was just worshipping worshipping, worshipping Shiva, worshipping. And he said he just felt this hand on his shoulder. And uh, he then said there was this voice behind him that said, why are you worshipping foreign gods? Why are you worshipping gods that have no power? Why are you worshipping these gods? And he, he goes, oh, and he's kind of even more passionate, oh, Shiva, Shiva, thinking, oh, I've got to get rid of this thing. And it comes again, hand on his shoulder, why are you worshipping foreign gods why are you worshipping gods that have no power and he said who are you and he said I am Jesus Christ who is the true and living God that you should worship And at the moment he's converted leaves his temple leaves that way of life and you hear in the Middle East story after story after story of God moving in different nations and uh, it's just wonderful we we just met some friends from Iran and uh, it was wonderful to see a whole row of Iranians uh, and just to hear their stories of how God's met them in dreams and visions and God is doing stuff in the nations and he's doing stuff here in York which is amazing. I'm just chatting to one or two of you over coffee just hearing stories that God's blessing you with nations and blessing you. In fact, in fact it would probably just help me if, if you I mean, it's politically correct, or rather, it's politically incorrect what I'm just about to do. But I'm going to kind of do it. I'm going to kind of do it in a way that, it, like, if you wouldn't say, and you could be the decider of your own nationality. Yes, you can. You know, if you wouldn't say that you were like born in the UK, or that you were like the UK is your cultural heritage. Let me put it that way. If you wouldn't say the UK is your cultural heritage, in other words, you own another cultural heritage, you're from another nation, you were born into another nationality, could you just, I don't know, just stand up? If, now maybe you don't understand, maybe someone needs to translate that for you, but different nations other than British. Who else, who's here from different nations? So my friends, my friends, 
there? Come on, please stand up. Please stand up. I just want to see what God's done and what God's doing amongst you in terms of nations. Now, please keep standing. Don't fall off the balcony. Please keep standing. Can you, sh- and bearing in mind, I'm half deaf in one ear, but can you just shout out where you are from? Iran. Yay. Oh, Kenya. Wonderful. Let's keep going down here. Thailand. Malaysia. 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 <laughs> it's good. Netherlands. Netherlands. Oh, wonderful. Uh, you, you know, yeah. <laughs> Rob, Rob's converting. Lancashire. <laughs> Lancashire is another nation. I do grant you that. Did I miss you out? South Africa. Yay. Anyone out here? No, 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 no. Here? Malaysia. Malaysia. We, we've got a thing going here, haven't we? <laughs> Iran. 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 Afghanistan. Ukraine, yes. Is that Ukraine as well? Ukraine and Ukraine as well. Ukraine, you're very, very... (laughs) Just checking. (coughs) We're hearing hearing amazing stories. Please do be seated. But it's just wonderful. Let's just give these guys a welcome. You're really welcome. (coughs) We're hearing wonderful stories out of Ukraine, how God is just uh, protecting and blessing our churches there and... uh, it's just so moving to have you here. Our hearts are with our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Now, I haven't got long this morning, and I don't want to lose all my time by just welcoming people, but I want to just keep encouraging what God is doing amongst you already. So if you've got a Bible, if you could turn to Acts chapter 11 and 13. That's two places, Paul. Acts chapter 11 and 13. And I want to talk, and I felt as I was out walking the other day, uh, God reminded me of something that he'd spoken to me years ago, but I just felt it was for you this morning, that you are like the church that was founded in a city called Antioch in the New Testament. There's lots of New Testament churches that are referred to in the Bible. Antioch is referred to a couple of places a couple of times, and we're going to read two of those this morning. Just to give you a context, it was one of the largest cities in the known world, probably third after uh, Alexandra and Egypt and Rome, of course in Italy. It was kind of like a regional province, it was like a regional capital city. It was on crossroads of communication, like road networks, it was on a kind of key north, south, east, west crossroads and it was a walled city now I kind of it's like York in a way I mean you're a walled city I know you're not one of the largest but you are one of the largest by reputation in the United Kingdom I think York still is probably the second most visited city in the country second only to London and uh, I know that you are on this sort of east west north south communication network, rail networks, road networks. York is a pretty significant city, a pretty key city in the United Kingdom. I think it's a little like Antioch. So let's just read Antioch chapter 11. And then I'm going to very quickly draw out three points and finish just after half past if I can. Acts chapter 11, 19 to 26. Now, those who'd been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed... So this is the persecution, the early church, remember? Uh, Stephen standing up, getting martyred, persecution happening in Jerusalem, people being scattered, Christians going all sorts of places everywhere. And they travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word 
only amongst the Jews. So the first of all, they're just telling the Jews about Jesus. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Now the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, kind of to check it out, what's going on. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Now, we know him as Paul. And he found him, and he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The, Christian, the, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And then flip over with me to chapter 13, 1 to 3. Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who'd been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, we know him as Paul. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And basically, I've just got three simple points to make to you. You could make 100 points from this passage, but I've got three simple points, and they are this. Number one, it was a church that was truly ethnically and culturally diverse. It wasn't of one nation or one people group. It was of all different people groups. Antioch apparently had lots of different people groups there. It was one of those cities where people came from the known world, north, south, east and west. They kind of lived in quarters in the city, and some people reckon there were like 20 quarters, which doesn't make sense of maths, but sort of areas of the city where different nationalities lived. And sometimes there was factions, sometimes there was war, sometimes there was difficulties between these different people groups. But God had done something wonderful. The grace of God had done something wonderful. The gospel of the Lord Jesus went not just to the Jews, as it had gone first, but to the Gentiles, to people from other nationalities. And just look with me who we've got here. We've got Barnabas, and he's, Luke describes Barnabas as a Levite from Cyprus. He was a man of Jewish background, probably of the Jewish elite. He was quite a significant guy. Then you've got Simeon, who's called Niger. Now, this is very unpolitical, but the word Niger just literally means black, blackie. That was his name. That was his nickname. And one would assume, and commentators assume, that he was indeed black, probably a North African slave who had converted to Christianity. And then you've got Lucius from Cyrene, and Cyrene is a North African city. Again, probably a black guy, probably a black slave converted. And then you've got Manian, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. In other words, he's probably of the royal family. And then you've got Saul, a Greek speaker from Tarsus, Hebrew of the Hebrews, religious elite. So this is such a multicolor. This is just the leadership team. 
Now, I think the leadership team is a kind of photo, it's a kind of representation, it's a kind of like a microcosm of the whole church, or rather it should be. So hopefully the church was like this as well. And I think God wants to encourage you here in York that actually he's giving you nations, not just to have on the periphery, not just to sit on back rows, or not just to come and say, oh, isn't it great, we've got a few Iranians, we've got a few from different nationalities, but actually to become absolutely part of the church to absolutely be part of leadership functions, ministry leaders, elders, deacons, to be really part of this. God's wanting this church to be an Antioch-style church, to be represented, fully represented of the nations. That's Jews loving Gentiles, Africans loving Europeans, the religious loving the heathen, the rich loving the poor, the young loving the old. And this is God's plan. It's God's purpose. And if you take God's big picture, if you look at the end of the story and we see in Revelation, you'll see this magnificent picture of a new heaven and a new earth. And on the new heaven and the new earth and in a new York, not New York, as it says on your, although there will be a new New York, but in a New York, there'll be this multicolored, multicultural, multi skin color language group of all nations worshipping him. It says in Revelation 7, I looked and before me was this great multitude that no one could count from every tribe language, people standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb and they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And we get a foretaste of that this morning as every nation cries out. And I think God wants to turn up the colour here. He wants to turn up the contrast here. He wants to turn up nationalities here. He wants to see this truly being a church of the nations, for the nations. He wants to do that amongst you. And I think, I mean, I don't know what Barnabas saw. He said, Barnabas saw evidence of the grace of God. Now, we don't know what he saw, but I wonder if it was that. I wonder if he suddenly thought, wow, the grace of God is incredible. This is not just for the Jews, but it's for the nations. In fact, that was always the original intention that God called Abraham. And he said, I'm going to bless you so that all the families of the earth will be blessed in you and through you and through your seed, which is the Lord Jesus. It was always God's plan to have a people of all nations. And you are that people. And God just wants to commend you. God wants to encourage you. God wants to affirm you. And I believe prophetically, God wants to stir you to pray that the nations amongst you grow in ministry, grow in grace, grow in leadership, grow in function, grow in all that God has for you here in York. So that's the first point I want to make, that it was a church that was ethnically and culturally. The second point is that it was a church shaped by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to commend you again this morning for how you gather to him, to the Father, through the work of the Son, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. You've done that this morning, and I just want to encourage you and commend you in that. Not every church does that. Not every church has the freedom and the flexibility to be led by the Spirit, just like you are. And you really want to be grateful for your leaders. You really want to be grateful for what God's done in your history. You really want to be grateful for the culture that we have here of being a new wine church in a new wine skin that actually God speaks and does speak. And God directs and corrects you 
He really does that. He is, has doing that, and he is doing that amongst you. And it's interesting what happens here. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, while they were, they were really putting Jesus front and centre, they were worshipping the Lord, they were giving the, putting their attention on him, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas, or Barnabas and Saul as it is in the text. And they sent them out two by two. Now my point is this. It's while they were worshipping. It's while they were in the spirit. It's while they were focusing, gazing on the Lord, he speaks. And I just want to encourage you, keep listening. God's got some great things that are going to come out of this city. God's got some great things that come out of this church. Things that will surprise you. Things that will astonish you. Things that if you heard now would probably blow your mind. But he is going to speak. I mean, actually out of this little church in Antioch, all of the missionary journeys of the early church started when they sent out Paul and Barnabas. And it's incredible what's going to come out of this little church. They have no idea of that. They're just worshipping, fasting, and the Holy Spirit says. Now, it's fascinating to me that Luke, who's given such detail up to now, he's told us who's there, where they're from, cultural ethnicity. He's been really careful. Luke is like that. He's very careful. He just doesn't say someone got healed. He tells you a little bit about it. He tells you the background. Luke's very careful. It's fascinating to me that he doesn't record who spoke because it's irrelevant what human agency spoke. He doesn't say Manian prophesied, because that was irrelevant. It doesn't matter who spoke, it was the Spirit who spoke. And the point I want to make of this is, yes, we honour leadership. This passage honours leadership. It tells you very clearly who the leaders were. But then it says the Holy Spirit spoke. Jesus said, all my sheep hear my voice. If you're a sheep of the Good Shepherd, you hear his voice. I think sometimes we can get into a setting where we've created this new priesthood called the leaders or the eldership team or whatever, and they, like, they hear God for us. That's absolutely not New Testament. It's absolutely not Bible. We're all priests, actually. We're a kingdom of priests, and we all get to hear. Now, leaders give structure. They give responsibility. They give accountability. They give some guidelines. That They're responsible for what happens and bringing order and shape to it, but they're not responsible to hear God other than everyone's responsible to hear God. We're all responsible to hear God. And it's interesting, some of the churches that we've been in, some of the things that we've become known for, so in Teesside, we got known for working with asylum seeker refugees. At one point, we had 100 asylum seeker refugees housing them. I think they've got some like 20 houses now. We're working with housing, feeding, clothing, looking after. That came from a lady in the church who was not part of our leadership structure. But God spoke through her. And we as leaders felt, yeah, we weighed that. Felt, yes, God was speaking. And we gave some structure to that. We set a new charity up for it. And we gave life to it because the Spirit spoke. In Manchester, we got known uh, as having the largest food bank in the area. In fact, when Coronation Street uh, wanted to do a a storyline about food bank, they came to our food bank to film, which is kind of fun, uh, having Coronation Street in your offices and in your food bank. But Because they they said, well, where's the largest one? Oh, that's the largest one there, right? We'll come and we'll do that storyline from that. Again, it wasn't an eldership initiative, God spoke to a small group, literally one of our small groups, God spoke to about starting a food bank and we weighed it, we felt, yeah, this is right, we gave some energy to it, some finance to it, some leadership oversight to it, but actually they gave the leadership energy to it 
and that became the largest food bank in the area. God's going to do some stuff amongst you, and he could speak through you, or you, or you, or you, or you, any one of, or, or even Alan, you know, even, God could even speak through the elders, you know, but, but it could come through you. So what I'm saying is listen to him, hear him, come together. When you come in prayer meetings, when you come in, say, listen to what the Spirit's saying, because he's going to say some amazing things to you about the nations and you need to listen and hear. And that's what they did. And last point, and we could have said lots about this. They sent people on mission. They heard God. They heard him. They heard the Spirit. And they obeyed. They sent, and in this case, they sent Paul and Barnabas as apostolic team and it wasn't just those two. There was others in their team because we can read about it in the New Testament. And they sent them out to tell and preach the good news. Now, that's their story. What I feel God is saying to you is he's going to raise up many teams here, many people to share the good news of the Lord Jesus. Many missionaries, if you like. In fact, we get confused in New Frontiers. We talk about apostolic mission, which is like talking about that round circle that you get. Because the word apostle or apostolic, or apostolic. it's a Greek word, apostolos, and it means to be sent with authority, to be a delegate sent with authority to preach the good news, break, up, break, up, break open new areas to be sent. When they translated the gospel into English, there wasn't an English word, so they kind of made up a word, apostle. So it's really a Greek word, apostolos. And then when they translated the New Testament into the sort of modern-day language, which was Latin, they couldn't find a word for apostolos, but they did have a near, near word, a near fit, which was missio, where we get the word mission from. So it's exactly the same word. So, and God is wanting this church to be an apostolic church, a missionary church, a church that raises up men and women who know they've got a call of mission on their lives. They've got an apostolic call to preach. They're sent with authority to preach the good news of Jesus. And the amazing thing is that is wherever you go. So that's your housing estate. You can be a missionary to that. It's your workplace. You can be a missionary there. It could be to another nation. It could be to the ends of the earth. Or it could be to the ends of your street, or the ends of your desk, or the ends of your comfort zone. <laughs> and God is just underlining for you this morning what he's doing amongst you. He's making you a people of the nations and for the nations. And I believe there's going to be many church planters raised up out of here. I believe there's going to be many people who are going to encourage and bless. Some of you will go for a season and encourage a church. Some of you will go to new nations and plant churches. Some of you will see new works established here in the city. Some of you will see new works amongst children and young people. Some of you will see new works amongst older people. Some of you will see new works amongst asylum seekers and refugees. Some of you will see new works about, with different tribes in the city and different areas of the city. But we all get to become missionaries. We all get to be good news carriers of Jesus. We all get to be caught up in the apostolic mission of Jesus, which is to go to all creation and preach the good news of Jesus. And I just feel God wants to underline this morning, as I bring this into a close, he wants to underline that you are an Antioch church. You're a church that's already touching the nations. You've already got your 
Nigers and uh, Simeons and Luciuses and Mannians. You've got those amongst you. Now, how are you going to train them, equip them, disciple them, bring them through into gifting, into ministry areas? You're a church that already listens to the Spirit. You already love, you, you love worshipping the Father through what Jesus has done by the power of the Spirit. You love that already, right? More. There's going to be more of that. He's going to turn the volume up and the intensity up. You're going to hear, my sheep hear my voice. You're going to hear him more and more. He's going to say some things to you which will surprise you for York, surprise you for your location, and surprise you for the ends of the earth. Because I believe, lastly, you are a missional people. You're a people caught up in mission. You're a people who God is doing something with you. And you're carrying this ends of the earth message you're carrying it in your life and you carry it to your housing estate, you carry it to your desk, you carry it to your home, you carry it to your street. You are a living letter, as Paul says, with words of life written on you. You're carrying that. Not, oh, I wish Alan was in my office. I wish Alan could come in. I wish Alan could be in my housing estate. I wish Pete could be. I wish, wish Paul could be in my. I wish Hannah could be in my housing. No, no, actually, you there. You're the representation of the glory of God because his spirit lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he's bringing the light and the presence and the life of God wherever you are. So as I finish this, I just wrote down three prophetic words that I felt for you. Um, Alan, I just felt more and more that you're to be like a hammer. It's like, you know, you've got this hammer a Thor-like hammer. <coughs> just a hammer that's like Thor, I think. But you've got this hammer. And what I saw is, it, I woke up this morning very early, about two o'clock, and I, so we're still jet-lagged. And I was just praying for you, and I was just praying for the meeting. I felt, God say, it's like, Alan, keep, keep hitting the ice. You know, there's ice sometimes. And I've given you a hammer. My word's like a hammer. And it, it, it smashes, and you've just got to keep going. You've just got to keep hitting the ice. And I saw as you kept going, not giving up, I saw cracks forming, and I saw ice shattering, and I saw things opening up. And I think that's particularly for Scandinavia. And by the way, thank you for supporting our work in Sweden. Thank you. You don't realise your giving has helped release that church to a new level in Gothenburg massively. I know the elders there and the church there massively appreciate Alan's support and input and discipling. But I just feel, keep going with this hammer. He's given you, you know, the word of God is a hammer. And sometimes you've just got to keep going. You've just got to keep hammering. You've just got to keep hitting it and keep hitting it. It's like the guy with the arrows. Do you remember, strike the ground. You goes one two three you know done no if only you'd struck more if only you'd kept going keep going Alan keep going with a hammer keep going with the word of God keep going with what you're doing and God's going to give you breakthrough particularly some <clears throat> you ever travel on a train and they have this the, the hammer don't they on the side of the window and it's, that's if you get into trouble you can break the glass and it says don't hit the middle because your temptation is to hit the middle, isn't it? You think the middle is going to be the weakest point, but the weakest point, that, that isn't it. It gets boing, that's what will happen if you hit the middle. But it says hit the edge, hit the weak points. The, have you done it? Have you? No, I've never done it. I, I've always fancied doing it. But they, like, I've always fancied pulling the core, but they give you loads of penalty points if you do that. But, you know, it, hit the corner, hit the corner, hit the weak point, and God's going to give you prophetic insight. Where's the weak point? 
I'm going to keep hitting hammer, hammer, hammer. And also, I've just felt for you, Mark, I think you're quite involved locally here with things. I just felt God's going to give you more and more missionary projects, missionary outposts in York. He's going to give you more and more opportunities to build things, and some of them might even develop into charities and works and projects, whatever. but God's going to give you more and more missionary opportunities, and it might not be <coughs> in the nations, but it'll be in the nations, because the nations are in York. I mean, you walk around York, and you, some, sometimes you hear English, but <coughs> actually there's lots of different nations here, and God's going to give you opportunity, particularly amongst the poor and the marginalised, and you're going to apostolically lead into some of those areas, because it's, it's mission, and it's, it's breakthrough, and God's really going to grace you and gift you to, to break through. And, and then lastly, Hannah, I just felt God's going to give you the songs of the nations, and we're, we're going to have to learn to sing different style of songs. Songs maybe a little bit more simpler, doesn't, have, doesn't mean less profound, but it just means more easily to sing in different languages, but also of different languages. And I just saw you leading like a choir of different languages, different nations, and learning to bring in um, Persian, learning to bring in <clears throat> Russian, Ukrainian, you're learning to bring in uh, you know, different Tagalog or Swahili or Singhalese, you know, just different, different, and, and actually us as a people learning to sing the languages and to somehow be a little snapshot of heaven as we get to celebrate that and do that. And I just saw, as I was praying, I saw you somehow leading in that, and God wants to give you fresh impetus. And songwriting, I don't know if you're, any of you guys are songwriters here, but I think songs are going to be written here that are going to be sung in lots of different places. So I apologise, I've gone over time. Let me just pray for you, Lord. I thank you for this church. I thank you so much for York City. I thank you, Lord, that Lord, this church was founded on that prophetic let me tell you this, I'm trying to tell you it. This, one of the things that was founded about this church is God gave Terry Virgo, who's the founder of New Frontiers, he gave him a prophetic picture of a bow and arrow stretched across the United Kingdom, particularly on the south. And as the bow and arrow was stretched up into the north of the UK, particularly the north of England, it's like this bow stretched up, arrows were fired to the nations. And I know that Stephen Ruth heard who helped found this church, moved on that prophetic word. Anne and I, who went to Teesside, Middlesbrough, Stockton, exactly the same time, within two months of each other, on that same prophetic word, we went up there to do the same thing. Now, isn't it amazing that you guys are sending arrows to the nation? Teesside is sending arrows to the nation. It's like God kind of knows what he's talking about. And Lord, I want to pray that in. I want to pray, Lord, that arrows are sharpened here. I want to pray that arrows are sent to the nations, whether that's the nations down our street, whether that's the nations that are geographical, whether that's the nations that are in different offices or factories or playgrounds or schools or shops or whatever. I'm asking you, Lord, for effectiveness in the gospel, that we'd be genuine missionary carriers of the gospel, to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus into people's lives and to see the nations affected for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.